CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, and we're glad you've joined us, as we always are. Looking forward to being with you the entire hour as we set this time aside answering questions about the Bible from the Bible. We want to encourage you to give us a call. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. We've got some lines open, so you're welcome to call. You're sure to get on. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. CSN. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker comes on after to every man and answer, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi and welcome, Jeff. Hello, Mike. Aloha to you there in Hawaii. Uh, we're in Fort Worth where it's definitely not Hawaii weather, but it's beautiful outside and you know, God is moving in spite of all the turmoil our country is in and uh, all the things that have been happening lately and the terrible murders. You know, Mike, you look at the news, these four college students that were murdered um, in their room and then three college football players in another university were murdered. Uh, that's seven college students in like a two or three day span, just brutally murdered. You look mm-hmm. at the bloodshed, you look at all that's going on and you have to remember what Christ said as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Well, what was it like? Well, in Noah's day, the Bible says the earth was filled with violence and it was filled with perversion. And here we are, Mike. And so if ever there was a time to understand the Bible and to share the gospel with people everywhere, it's now. Because we are in the closing seconds of this dispensation, I believe. So good to be with you. Looking forward to some great questions today. Amen. And, uh, you know, again, I believe that all of this is going on brings more and more shades of gray to nothing. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. And what we find interesting is that the division line is becoming very clear now. Mm -hmm. You have the moderate Christians Mm -hmm. that have embraced much of the culture of the day, that there's really no difference, even though they call Mm -hmm. themselves Christians, from hardcore worldly people. Versus those that have followed the Bible who are born again, that do not believe that there's a thousand ways to God. And as the Pope says, we're all worshiping the same God. Well, that's a lie. We're not. And as you study the scripture, you realize there's only one God. And there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. And so when somebody says, well, you can go through Mary or Buddha or whatever to find the inner God within you, you know that this is from the pit of hell. And uh, when we have to be so dogmatic on it, it's because people's eternities are hanging in the balance. Man, if there's ever anything you're going to be decisive on, dogmatic about, it's Jesus Christ and eternity. Because when you get there, it's too late to change. And so that's why I encourage everybody, work for the night is coming, as Jesus said, mm-hmm. when no man can work. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where rust and moth and thieves break through and steal. Be about your father's business, and you will be blessed throughout all of eternity. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. 
88 ask CSN's the number to call. We have Theron in the Dalles, Oregon. Hi, welcome. So uh, you guys do a good job. Thank you very much. Uh, my question is regards uh, James 2.14, which says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So in uh, the remainder of that chapter, in verse 17, it implies that faith without works is dead. In mm-hmm. verse 20, it states that faith without works is dead. And in 26, it also states that faith without works is dead. So this takes me to the parable of the uh, soils, as found in uh, Luke chapter 8, because that was Jesus' response to uh, the question about uh, what happens to the word. And uh, in case of the shallow soil, the hearer receives the word, believes for a while, and then withdraws from the faith. And I would suspect that his outcome would be found in verse 18, where it says, For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, what he thinks he has will be taken from him. And in the thorny soil, uh, a Christian apparently receives and believes, but he shows no works. So we go to 1 Corinthians 3.15, which says, If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. So my question is, so when James refers to dead faith, is he really referring to unproductive faith? Well, I I believe, as Jesus said, if you abide in me, that's the condition. Uh, In the book of uh, uh, Jude, the very last verse says, now who is able to keep you from falling? He's able. The question is, are we willing? And I believe it's a two-part relationship. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, Demas, having loved this world, has departed. We went back into the world. And so when we understand that, oh, well, that person's still saved, even though they're party-hardy and, you know, (laughs) that's all right, you know. No, I, I don't read that. And again, the entire book of Jude is about this very topic. And if it's not about this topic, honestly, I haven't a clue in being a Christian for over 50 years what the book of Jude is about. It's about people who God saved out of the nation of Egypt. It took them out, the children of Israel. And then because they refused to walk in faith, they all died in the wilderness. They never inherited the promised land. Picture of the prodigal son. We find him in the pigsty, comes to his senses. But what if he would have died in the pigsty? That is one of the questions. He'd still be in the pigsty, everyone. So I, I really believe we look at this. Works only demonstrate what we believe in our hearts. Out of the abundance, the mouth speaks. I believe what we believe inside is demonstrated in our lifestyles, and our behaviors. If we say we have faith, but we have nothing to prove it, the old saying, if you are arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, I think that's true. Now, I believe when it talks about our works being burned up, the wood, the hay, the stubble. I believe as a Christian, we do things oftentimes as a Christian that are not really with the right motive. 
the offering plate comes by and right before he drops this hundred dollar bill in the offering plate, he wiggles it around a little bit so everybody can see it. That's what I believe that's talking about. But that same individual later on that day may call somebody that he heard was sick and wants to just be a blessing to him. I believe that's what that's talking about. But I believe when we talk about our works, our works do not save us, but our works prove what we are. Your thoughts. Yeah, James 2.14, and uh, really the second half of James chapter 2, is all about what real faith looks like, what Bible faith looks like. Because he starts out with the argument, if you say that you have faith, but you don't have works, then uh, I'll show you my faith by my works. And what James is arguing is that if you have saving faith, you will also manifest by uh showing works in your life. Uh, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Four times in Titus, uh, Paul talks about the necessity of Christians being involved in good works, maintaining them, sustaining them, uh, being rich in good works, uh, meeting urgent needs. So the, the argument and the, the gist of what the Bible teaches on the works issue, it doesn't save you. Works can never save you. That was the Mosaic system, and the Mosaic system saved nobody because we could not live up to the law. But uh, in Christianity, in the New Covenant, uh, works are a manifestation of genuine saving faith so that if you are truly born again, you're not going to be able to help it. Whereas before you lived in evil works, Paul talks about this in Colossians, Corinthians, you, you lived in evil works, you gave the energy of your life, the energeo is the Greek word, you gave the energy of your life to evil works, sinful things. But now that you're saved, you give your energy, you give your life, the time that God has given you on earth, to doing good works. And so James is just making the case don't tell me you have saving faith if, if you're not involved in, you know, helping, helping the poor, feeding people, ministering to people, reaching out to people, because that's what a born again nature will do. And uh, as for the guy that you mentioned in Jesus' parable there in Luke 8 and also Matthew 13 on the parable of the sower, the, the seed sown on thorny ground, the person that receives the seed, he did not have good works. He backed off when he began to be persecuted for righteousness sake. He didn't like the heat, so he, he fell away. He, he dropped off. So anyway, I hope that helps you understand it, uh, Theron. Uh, works will be seen. Good works will be seen in the life of a child of God as surely as evil works will be seen in the life of somebody that doesn't know Christ. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that helps, Theron. Mm-hmm. Can I assume that you're uh, interpreting then that uh, second uh, question in uh, James 2.14 as a rhetorical question? Yes, it means such faith, faith without works. That kind of faith is no faith, and it won't save you. Genuine faith will will manifest in works uh, that, that, that attest to your salvation. So that's what it's saying. Such faith cannot save you. And Jesus said it like this. Yeah, and Jesus said it like this. By their fruit, you shall know them. What is fruit? Fruit is the things that we produce out of a Christian life. 
again, if, if, you know, there's an old song, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Well, that's true. And, and by, by their fruit, you shall know them, not by their mistakes, not by their shortcomings, because we all have those, but by their fruit. What is the fruit in their life? And there's two things we always have to be aware of concerning fruit. Is it genuine? Because, you know, you ever seen that plastic fruit? It looks so real. You go up and, you know, people want to take a bite out of it, but it's just wax. Well, number one, is the fruit real? And number two, is the fruit stolen from somebody else? I see a lot of ministries and, oh, they brag about their big, but actually there's just a church split. They they built on somebody else's foundation. Uh, their fruit is there, but it really belongs to somebody else. I believe on Judgment Day, that's all going to be uh, restored back to the person who started it. Uh, that's what the Bible says, that Paul said, I wouldn't build on another man's foundation. But these guys have no problem with that. So real fruit and Stolen fruit. You want to make sure that it's not stolen, and you want to make sure that it's real. By the fruit, you will know them. Hope that helps. So do you have a moment for another question? Sure. So uh, did Abraham's bosom exist before Abraham, and if not, where did uh, uh, Abel go? I believe it did exist. I believe maybe Abraham is the one that formalized it. Um, it is interesting, though, that in Revelation, it says the sea gave up the dead that was in it. It is not talking about people who died in a maritime accident or a submarine. It's talking about those who died in the flood. And I believe that, again, when we understand how bad uh, right up to the time of the flood was, uh, only uh, verse 8 of Genesis 6, only Noah found grace in the sight of God. So the world had pretty much corrupted its entire self. But where did those that died in faith go? Where did Seth go? Or where did where did uh, Abel go when he was killed by Cain? I believe it very possibly could be that this is part of that. But it appears to me that those that died in faith went to a place of paradise awaiting the supreme sacrifice. And even Cain recognized the sacrifice that Abel made, uh, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And we find even God killed the animals to give Adam and Eve a covering. Uh, maybe this is why uh, Cain's uh, sacrifice was rejected, Cable's was accepted, because there was no shedding of blood. So when we really look at this, I, I believe that we have, uh, um, you know, we we just really have to to understand that God's a fair God. I don't believe He'll ever send uh, anybody that uh, that sought to know Him away. Uh, and again, the Bible says, "When you seek Me, you'll find Me. When you search for Me with all your heart." Your thoughts? Yeah, I I can only assume that even though Abraham had not been born, the righteous, and there were a lot of people, you know, Seth's entire lineage um, died in faith then because they believed the promise of Genesis 3.15 that God was going to raise up a bruiser of the enemy's head. So they died in faith of a coming Messiah, though the Messiah had not come. So they died in faith, Hebrews says, without having received the promise the promise being the Messiah. 
So God being a just God, as Mike said, uh, you know, Abraham asked the rhetorical question of God right before Sodom was judged. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, he wasn't asking if that was true. He was making a statement that he believed in. I believe the judge of all the earth is going to do right. And if there's any righteous in there, you're going to deliver them. So I believe that those that died before Abraham in faith went to a good place. And uh, that's what I have to trust because I trust the character of God. So hope that helps. Yep, thank you. There and stay online if you like. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, and uh, we're going to go to James in Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, good day. How may we help? Uh, oh, hi. Yeah, um, I just uh, the other day I was listening to your broadcast and had a answer for somebody on um, Je- not the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sorry, um, the Mormons, and that. They tried to say that um, Jesus is brother Satan. Well, if God is in the flesh in Jesus, then that would put uh, Satan as Jesus's um, equal or brother. And I'm sorry, he's a created being. He's uh, he's under God. He was uh, he's a stepping stool um, as far as that goes. And the the other one was. there's not enough talk of uh, what's going on as far as um, men would make themselves out as being as gods as where they are not and creating life that didn't before exist. And here we are with AI and genetic cloning and manipulation and creating life. And then we got this net above us that we've cast of our own making and um, just everything that I've ever read in the Bible is just manifesting before my eyes. And I mm-hmm. serve a great, glorious God. I know I do. Um, he saved my life. Um, he saved me from sin. He saved me from my own my own demise, my own torments. And um, He's miraculous, beautiful God. And uh, this world, the pains, the sufferings, and everything else, those are products of Satan. Yep, anything they sure that are. isn't good, anything that isn't good, is contrary mm. to the Word and God. Um, he is gracious. He is everything pure and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, we know, we know, uh, James, that we're headed for the big wrap up. I, I really believe that. Uh, Jesus gave us the principal sign of Jerusalem coming back under control of the Jews in Luke chapter 21. And he says, the generation that sees this will not pass away till these things are all fulfilled. So I believe we're there at the wrap. Now, when you stop to think, there is not one weapon man has ever made that he has not used. You think of the arsenals around the world, North Korea, these these rogue states that are uh, really um, not bound by much in the way of any kind of conscience. Iran and the others, we, we've got some real issues that are going to be different than things before. The idea that the world is on the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Oh, yes, everything is going to come out roses. No, it's not. 
And Jesus said it in Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter 24, unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. That's how bad it's going to get. Man possesses the ability to destroy life from this earth. Now, you mentioned earlier about life, uh, AI and artificial intelligence. In all the scientific experiments that science has ever done, they have never created life, ever. They put all the uh, all the uh, uh, molecules there, the DNA, all the, the the the, or maybe I should say all the the chemicals, the compositions, everything. Hit it with uh, lightning. They hit it with n- nothing. They cannot make life. This is an exclusive of God. And so when I see that, now when you understand uh, artificial intelligence, uh, uh, the binary system, uh, dots and dashes, uh, you know. O one O, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, its ability to calculate is so fast that it would appear that it comes alive. But really, we know that it's not alive. Now, we know that, that they can build machinery that can spin out of control. Certainly, it cannot control itself. We look at Fujima, uh, the earthquake. The earthquake damaged the pumps that cooled the reactors, and it just got, went into a runaway cycle till it melted down and polluted the oceans. They say that there is radiation found in fish all over the entire world directly because of Fujima. Now, imagine that man, uh, North Korea, as an example. They keep setting off their bombs. They don't hit anywhere they're supposed to, um, but they continue to poison the ocean through nuclear things. We we realize we're in a world that is so much different than grandma and grandpa grew up in, or even for that, many of our moms and dads grew up in, that I believe we're at man's uh, end of his futile efforts to govern himself. This is why I believe not only do we have the tribulation period where God judges the nations and God deals with the nation of Israel, that final last 70th week of Daniel, that last final seven-year period of time, but it's also because man will annihilate himself if left to his own devices. Uh, remember this, the devil hates humans. And he wants to see all of humanity destroyed. He doesn't care. You never find a person that's into Satanism or into demonic possession that's the better for it. They're always the worse for it. The devil and his demons, the fallen ones, are all part of this destroy humans. And I believe this is why it says in 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you not know someday you will judge angels for all the wicked things that these fallen angels have done to humanity since the beginning? So we realize that not only did they fall from heaven, but they have been wreaking havoc on this earth, I believe, ever since. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, just quickly, uh, James, to your your concerns about uh, AI. Um, Interestingly, I read an article um, today, I think, that um, a whistleblower that used to work at Apple has come out and said that they have developed an uh, artificial intelligence creature, being, whatever, robot, that um, is actually a danger to mankind, that they have taken it to a level that is uh, truly uh, a little bit frightening, if you don't, especially if you don't know Christ. Um, there's a, a lot of 
thinker types out there thinking purely on a, on a worldly plane that are deeply concerned about AI. But here's the deal. Yes, they can create a robot with artificial intelligence. It's all computers, but they can never breathe into it the breath of life. They can never cause it to actually be a living being. It's a computer. And uh, so it is a concern. And yes, leave it to man to try to be so godlike that they believe they can create life. But it's not life. It's a, it's a counterfeit. It's something that may look alive in some ways, but it's purely a counterfeit. It's not really alive. It does not have the breath of life. It doesn't have a soul. It is not eternal. It will fall apart, rust apart, and be gone one day. So um, these are very interesting things that we're seeing happen in these last days, the AI and all of that. It's, it is interesting, but nothing surprises God. God is the maker of life. He's the giver of life. And if you want real life, you turn to Christ and he gives you the life of the Holy Spirit, a brand new nature, and you are living and alive indeed. Other than that, it's all counterfeit. Amen. And so we have to remember the devil is the father of all lies and the master counterfeiter. You find that all the way through the Bible. I think it's interesting, Jeff, that uh, you find God putting his mark in Revelation chapter 7 on the 144,000 Jews. And then the counterfeit mark, Revelation 13, where you will not be able to buy or sell unless you have the mm -hmm. mark, the name, or the number on your hand or on your forehead. Of course, right. all instituted by, I believe, a possessed world leader called the Antichrist. And so we understand that he's always the counterfeit. And so you have the, the, um, uh, you have this going on, I believe, since really, um, the beginning. And so understanding being about our father's business is so important. Hope that helps, James. Yes, indeed. Appreciate your time. God bless you all. Love you. Well, James, appreciate you too. You stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy it. Great for evangelism. Lend them out. Get them back. Lend them out again. Get them back. You say, well, I'm afraid they're, they won't give it back to me. Well, you give me a call and I'll send you another one. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we just want to get the gospel out while we can. Again, redeeming the time. The days are evil. Time unredeemed is wasted time. What do you do with your spare time, people will ask? Well, that's wasted time. We want to redeem the time, make the most out of it, because I believe, friends, it won't be long. We won't be here. I believe we'll be with the Lord. Stay on the line, James. We'll get you taken care of. When we come back, we will have more calls. Looking forward to those for all of you. And we're coming up on a break. Don't go away. We'll be back right after these messages. The abortion pill now accounts for over 50% of all abortions and is readily available in all states. Preborn Ministry continues to stand with women in crisis in their darkest hour and bring hope and life. After Marissa took the abortion pill, she immediately regretted it, but Preborn was there for her. Look at that baby. Look how beautiful he is. Look at that. Abortion pill reversal actually works. Let's hear his heartbeat. <laughs> 
By the amazing grace of God, this baby was saved, but there are so many more who need our help. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All of us at CSN want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support in 2022. Because of your generosity, we are able to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching is being broadcasted 24 hours a day on 443 radio stations nationwide and worldwide through online streaming and via the CSN app. You make this possible. As the year comes to an end, would you consider making a special year-end donation? As a 5013C, your gift will be a year-end write-off if given before midnight on December 31st. To help further the work of CSN, please go to csnradio.com slash support or call 1-800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Welcome back to part two of Every Man and Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Ty on the line, Austin, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hello. hello. So I was How may we help? Uh, I was wondering, so I'm trying to understand if I'm saved or not. It's like, I, I'm a real offense with our great Bible studies, and I'm just trying to really... See, like, it felt like I really have the Holy Spirit in me. I just go through the motions. I think I missed a lot of your question. Yeah. uh, Because it's so, your your phone is, uh, we're catching only about every other word. I think his question, Mike, is how do I know if somebody is saved or not? Okay. Well, um, I believe uh, Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. And I think that uh, fruit in a person's life, after they have confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm not saying being a good humanitarian will save you. It will not. But once you're a born-again Christian, I believe it. that's what shows uh, and demonstrates where your faith is and who your God is. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And a lot of people wonder about this because, like you already mentioned earlier, Mike, that there's a lot of people that profess to be Christians. But boy, their lifestyle sure doesn't look it. So how do you know? Well, I think there's several ways. One is the evidence of hearing God's word. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 47, he that is of God hears God's words. Uh, then John also really majors in 1 John on the evidence of love for God's children. If you If you don't love your brother, how can you say that you love God? Uh, love for the brethren is a clear evidence that you're saved. And I believe a totally different outlook on life is evidence of salvation. Um, you, you see things differently. You have been born again. And uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, all is new. All has become new. 
And that includes your worldview. You begin to see things through the eyes of God. Inner peace is another one. Peace with God. He that makes peace with God experiences the peace of God. And uh, then the good works we've talked about. You will involve yourself, instead of works of evil, you will involve yourself in good works. Works that glorify God. Works that are evidence that you are connected to Christ. Um, and I believe, Mike, also there is an evidence of sensitivity to sin. You care about pleasing the Lord. You care about avoiding things that you know are against his word and against his will. Um, there is a sin consciousness and there is a God consciousness. I'm, I'm very aware that God is watching and weighing every one of my thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. I'm living with an eye turned upward. I want to please the Lord. What he thinks about my lifestyle matters to me. And I want to toe the line with the word of God. I want to do what the word of God tells me to because I genuinely in my heart care. But suffice it to say, Ty, if you're really saved, it's going to show in many of the ways that I just mentioned. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Ty. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. A little book called Time to Grow goes in more in depth on this question. And if you'll stay on the line, I'll get those out to you. I think you'll really enjoy it. Let's go to Michael in Las Vegas. Hi, welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. Um, my question is, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, um, and we were talking about, um, can you be saved and not be born again? And he's using um, proof texts like out of the book of Acts, like in chapter 8 in Samaria, where they were baptized, but then when the apostles came, then they... Uh, you know, then they received the Holy Spirit after. And he was also mentioning, like, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, received the Spirit, and then he told them to go up into the upper room. And one other proof text he was using was in uh, Romans 4, where um, Paul, um, Abraham, believed before circumcision, and circumcision was a, a sign of the covenant from God. So those are the three proof texts he used. Well, when you talk about where they believed and they had not yet been filled with the Spirit, they were believers in Christ Jesus, but the Holy Spirit had not empowered them yet. Very similar to what we find in Acts chapter 2. Um, and you, I, I, I absolutely, in fact, Paul says it like this in chapter 19 of Acts, since you believed, have you been filled with the Spirit? Because being filled with the Spirit is that which empowers us to be disciples and empowers us to be witnesses for him. I believe it's very, very much reality. I, I'm one of those that I know for sure. I accept the Lord when I was quite young, five years old, but it wasn't till I was about 17 that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a dynamic change. I, I always loved God. I, I would do whatever I could. I always went to church. I pray, read my Bible, even as a young, uh, young child and, uh, uh, and, and all. But when, you know, when, when people say, well, let's go out and go down to the beach and go witnessing, I go, I don't want to do that. But after the Holy Spirit 
And I remember I was in a church one night, and this man says, if anybody here wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come up here. Well, I figured, well, sure, I'll, I'll take whatever God's got. I came forward, laid his hands on me. I didn't vibrate on the stage or fall over and rock over rows of pews. He just said, receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was never the same person since. Um, and I had a real zeal to tell people about the Lord. I had a real heart for the loss. And this is two things that you find with a person that's born again. Number one, a boldness. That's what we lack oftentimes in our Christian experience. Number two, a love for the lost. Paul says in Corinthians 13, though I speak with tongue to men of angels, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Well, what's that love about? It's the love to go out and share your faith with people so they won't go to hell. A person outside of being, I think, filled with the Spirit or or maybe certainly anything to say about it, you know, what, they're going to hell? Well, good. They're a bunch of bad people anyway. This is exactly what Jonah had. When he heard that God was going to destroy Nineveh, he goes, great, good. They deserve it. They're wicked. They're they're oppressive. They're, they're, they're uh, 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 pagan. Well, the problem is God still loved them and wanted to reach them, and he chose Jonah to do it. And Jonah did it, but not with love in his heart, but he did it out of obligation. And this is a real problem, because even in Revelation chapter 1, church at Ephesus, Jesus says, I have this against you, you've left your first love. What they once did out of love, now they were doing out of obligation or duty. And and that's not the way God wants us to work. So I believe that spirit-filled life is what we find. And this is why Paul asked the question in Acts 19, the very couple first verses, since you believe, have you been filled with the Spirit? This is exactly referencing Acts chapter 2. Remember, they were all believers gathered in the upper room. They all loved God. But God did something supernaturally as he empowered them to be witnesses. That had not yet come to the others that were believers. This is why you find this in Acts 8, where they were believers, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. So I believe it's very important that we understand that generally speaking, generally speaking, the the uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit is a second work of the Holy Spirit. The first, to convict us of our sins, save us from our sins, and number two, the second work is to empower us to be witness to him, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world, and, and have a love for the lost that we would even count our own life as lost to reach them for the gospel. Friends, that's what real love is. And I believe that is a direct supernatural thing. And I did not have that in my life before uh, when I was about 17 and I went down in a church and a man asked if I wanted to be filled with the Spirit. So I do know for me, it was a separate work, just as Paul references there in Acts chapter 19. Your thoughts? Yeah, to, to the crux of your question, Michael, um, can a person be saved without being born again? Emphatically, they cannot. Because Jesus said so. Jesus told Nicodemus, who came to him, we call him Nick at night. Nicodemus came to him uh, in the midnight hour so that nobody would know that he went to talk to Jesus. Uh, Nicodemus was a teacher of Israel. He was very versed in all the Old Testament scriptures. And uh, he was bragging on Jesus, you know, kind of flattering him. And Jesus looked straight at him and said, Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. Or you will never see the kingdom of God. 
So Nicodemus was stunned by that, said, how can I be born again? How in the world can I be born again? Can I go back into my mother's womb of what you're saying, Lord, is is ridiculous. But Jesus said, you've got to be born of the water and of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, some say the water being water baptism. Others saying born of a woman when the water breaks, you're, you're born the first time. But when you're born of the spirit, you're born a second time. Whatever your interpretation is, the bottom line is you must be born again. Well, how are you born again? When you repent of your sin, turn to Christ, something miraculous happens immediately. Right then and there, there's no getting away from it. When you turn to Christ and say, forgive me, I have sinned, I confess you as Savior, and I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead, you are saved. Now, when you're saved, that means the Holy Spirit has done the work of regeneration within you. For the first time in your life, you are truly alive. Now, what I mean by that, not physical life, but spiritually alive, because the Spirit of God has entered your body, entered your soul, and you have been raised from the spiritual dead. Ephesians 2, 1, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, look, notice, dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive through Jesus Christ. So when that happens, you're born again. And until that happens, you will never see the kingdom of God. So uh, that's what I preach. That's what, uh, that was the message of the great awakening. That's always been the message of preachers that won souls. You must be born again and you do it. You experience it by turning to Christ. And it's the greatest miracle available to mankind. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Michael. Yeah, I believe with everything you said, 100%, that's how I see it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. God bless you. Stay in line, Michael. If you like sending out books and DVDs, great for evangelism. Let's go to Arthur in Idaho. Hi, and welcome. Hey. Arthur. Um, yeah, hi. I got a quick question. Um, so it concerns uh, Romans chapter 9, verse uh, 19 through 24. Um, I got a couple of friends that believe in the Calvinistic doctrine, the predestination, mm-hmm. and um, I'm kind of I'm I'm against it, and uh, I kind of always hit a wall when these verses, uh, when they bring up these verses, and it talks about for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Well, yeah, but you have to remember Mm -hmm. when the Bible says he hardened Pharaoh's heart as an example. Uh, What did God do to Pharaoh ever? He showed him his undeniable power. That's what God did to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron. Now, here's the thing. How we react to that undeniable power determines what happens. Now, remember, the same sun that that uh, melts the wax hardens the clay. And we have to remember that this wasn't just a uniqueness of Pharaoh, but we find it also in the Pharisees. When Jesus brought uh, Lazarus back to life, the Pharisees said among themselves, it says, now we not only have to kill Jesus, 
but Lazarus also. An undeniable miracle. A person dead come back to life. Who's ever heard of such a thing? And instead of them going, wow, Jesus, that's amazing. You're God. You have the power of life. No, now we have to kill Lazarus as well. You can't have a living example of Jesus's power walking around. It is interesting to me, people a lot of times think, well, if, if a person could just see a miracle, they'll, they'll believe in God. No, that's not the case. And as a matter of fact, Pharaoh saw many miracles of God, and the more he saw, the harder his heart got. Now, it could have very well been that those miracles could have softened Pharaoh's heart, but that was a decision that Pharaoh had. So did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, in yet that he provided the miracles that Pharaoh reacted to, but it isn't God going, now I'm going to harden your heart. They turned God into some some wicked deity. And this is why Calvinism is not Christianity. If it was Christianity, it would be Christianity. But Calvinism, like Mormonism, deviates from God's Word, ignores complete chapters. Yes, we are predestined in that God knows the decisions we all make. God doesn't learn. And what an insult to God to say, well, and God just hoped he would figure it out. No, it doesn't say that. Revelation 22, he lives in all times present. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. That's so important to understand when we deal with God, because God lives in all time present. I don't understand that, but God does. So God knows who will choose him and who won't. Esau, I've hated. Jacob, I've loved. Well, how is it that God could hate Jacob or, or hate Esau, because God knew the choices that Esau would make in his life, and he can say it even before he was born, hey, this is the case. Again, God doesn't learn, and we try to make God down to the level of man, thinking that God learns every day and checks the dates on quarts of milk to find out how fresh it is. No, he lives in all times present. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, here, uh, and Romans 9 is where so many people get off on the predestination. God's either chosen you to be saved or chosen you to be lost, which flies in the face of everything the Bible teaches about the character of God. How could we say with Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right if God literally chooses some to be lost? Well, that's not doing right. Who can resist God? Now, when you go to him hardening Pharaoh's heart, It's interesting. It says in verse 21 of Romans 9, does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Now, if you stop there, it's easy to go into the the hardcore Calvinist view. But the very next verse, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Now that tells us that God endured their unbelief, endured their sin. God knew they would never turn. Uh, He endured their lifestyle, their blasphemy, their idolatry. He endured it. Uh, Why? So that he could make his glory known on the vessels of mercy or those that would actually be saved, or in Israel's case, delivered. 
So it's not saying that God damned Pharaoh to eternal hell by hardening his heart. But God, knowing he would never turn, used that hardness of heart to manifest his power so that he could show Israel uh, his great power and deliver them with the great signs that he showed. So, uh, and, and again, this is one of those things where you can't take one verse or a few verses and create this, this heavy duty doctrine of God choosing people to be lost. You've got to go to the entirety of scripture. If one verse is difficult, then you allow the rest of the Bible to answer the one verse that's difficult. The greatest interpreter of the Bible is the Bible itself. And the rest of scripture says, whosoever will, let him come. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, Joshua, as for me and my house, we will, now there's a statement, we will. In other words, our choice is to serve the Lord. Well, uh, over and over again, we see will and choice, people choosing, people turning, people repenting uh, after having heard the gospel. Uh, we see them exercising their will, responding to the truth that they have heard. So when you look at the entirety of Scripture, the rest of it, it just doesn't jive with this idea that God would damn people to hell. Uh, that's awful. That makes God a monster. And I, for one, could never preach that God. If that was the true no. God, I don't know that I would be in the pulpit anymore. That's not the true God. I've, when I preach, I want to be able to say, whosoever will, let him come. Come on. If you want to repent, come on. Turn to Christ, and he will forgive you and save you. So I hope that helps, Arthur. Yeah, and, and oh, yeah. when we stop, so yeah, and well, yeah, Arthur, and you have to remember too again that um, for God so loved the world. People say, "Well, uh, God didn't choose you; He chose me. I'm predestined to go to heaven, not for you." That is what the Bible says. For God so loved the world, God chose the world. He wanted everybody to be saved. None would perish, but all would have eternal life. Whosoever would believe in him, oh, whosoever, that's anyone would believe in him, would have eternal life. But just because God knows the decisions that we all make, because again, he lives in all times present, does not stop any individual today living from making the decisions they want to make. And I really, under I, when you look at this, you realize, well, some people are just too evil to be saved. Well, look at Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. If there was a bad dude in the, in, in, the, in the early church times, it was Saul. God saved him. So when I look at this, I realize Jesus is for everybody, but not everybody wants him. Now, again, I don't know why that is. I don't know why some people will choose Christ and some won't. And sometimes it is until a person gets down so low in the bottom of the barrel that they realize God's all that's left. They love the darkness more than the light, Jesus said yep. in John 4. So all kinds of things. So again, I believe anyone can be saved. Uh, I believe we are to preach the gospel to every creature, whosoever will may come. And the idea that God says, yeah, you can come. No, you can't. You can come. No, no, not you. Not you. That is not the God of the Bible. That's a Calvin God. I think they should continue to make underwear. Hope that helps.
<laughs> yep. Thank you so much. Author, stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy them. Give them to your family. Let's go to Larry, Salt Lake City, Utah. Hi, welcome. Yes, my question is, being in the end times as we believe we are, knowing Christ is going to return soon, why be concerned about voting? Why be concerned about what's going on? Why not just let it all, if you will, go to hell in a handbasket and let's get out of here. Let's call it a day. Um, well, I don't know when I don't know when that time is. That's the big problem, Larry. I don't know how far out in the future it is. And for the sake of you and me and our children and all those, we want to do, as the Bible says, occupy till I come. That word occupy means do everything you would do as a Christian, regardless of whether Jesus comes in an hour or 24 hours, 24 days or 24 years. That means to occupy and to be about our Father's business. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's it. Bottom line, I know so many people, for instance, that, um, well, not tons of people, but I know a few who didn't go to college, didn't really develop their lives, didn't do everything that, um, you know, their their potential would have allowed them to do. Uh, they didn't really prepare for the future. They said, why should I? Because Christ is coming. So I'm just going to kind of hang loose and reach people and and uh, forget a degree or forget learning a, a trade. You know, any day now, he's coming. Well, and now they can't make a dime and they're old and they, they really missed uh, the flip side. I believe in, in this, that you live like he could come back today, but you plan like he will not come back in your lifetime. Jesus did say, occupy until I come do business until I come. And so I want to be preaching when he comes. I want to be uh, busy about the Lord's work when he comes. I want to be uh, bearing fruit. I want to be reaching people. I want to be living for him when he comes. And uh, so when it comes to politics, all you're doing is you're voting for values because we are to be salt and we are to be light until Christ returns and takes the church out. And so that's why. So I hope that answers it for you, Larry. It does. Thank you. God bless you. Stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll just really enjoy. Again, great for evangelism. And so we'll get those out to you. And uh, I think you'll be blessed. And so thanks so much for the call. With that, we are about out of time, I think. We're um, coming right down to the wire here. We got about uh, 30 seconds. You know, Jeff, um, Again, tell us real quick where your church is located so people can come and visit. Yeah, we're in Fort Worth, and we're right off of I-35 South. Uh, you take the Garden Acres exit, uh, and we're right across the highway. You can see us uh, clearly visible on the service road. Love to have you tonight. I'm teaching on, uh, it's really kind of an ab- apologetics series I'm doing, Mike, on uh, a deep dive into better understanding the Bible. You can watch us at TPC Family dot org uh, just type that in and hit watch live and we'd love to share the word of god with you amen so good bob elizabeth uh arthur tad please call us back we'll put you on first thing tomorrow no waiting thanks jeff god bless y'all have a great night to find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program please call 1-800-357-4226 Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 